This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, January 12, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. What do members of Congress hope to get out of taxing cryptocurrencies? We know that it's at least a few billion dollars a year, but even that number seems suspect. Nick Anthony at the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives evaluates the claims about the tax revenue and the dubious benefits of taxing crypto. Why is cryptocurrency even discussed in a bill that is nominally about infrastructure? It does seem weird to have cryptocurrency as a hinge point of the infrastructure bill, but really it's because it's been found as a pay-for provision. Congress ultimately decided that somehow or some way, cryptocurrency taxation was going to yield $28 billion over the next 10 years. This is such an you know, infant industry, and it's, it's hard to even imagine how those taxes would be collected. The IRS has issued some guidance. Other regulatory agencies have issued guidance, sometimes in opposition to one another in terms of the, the tax treatment of uh, crypto assets. And so it, it's very confusing. And so how does Congress expect to collect taxes on cryptocurrency exchanges? Unfortunately, it's not really clear. They set in this new provision that basically anyone who is working in the industry has effectively been labeled a broker. It needs to report information about exchanges. And this goes far beyond having like Coinbase or Robinhood, the people we think of as brokers traditionally. And by collecting all that information, they're hoping that they can essentially audit the money out of the system and find where there should be money coming in. But it's just not clear that the money is there in the first place. And worse yet, it's not clear that the money will be there if these provisions are left in such a draconian fashion. I can imagine that, uh, you know, the way people buy crypto, hold crypto, hodl crypto, sell crypto, I can imagine that there are enough exchanges of cryptocurrency to generate that that kind of number if you place some X percent uh, tax on those exchanges. But, you know, this is a very fluid marketplace. Uh, cryptocurrencies shoot up, shoot down. And, uh, I, you know, if you watch Bloomberg to get your financial, a lot of your financial day-to-day information, they're just guessing as to why these things are happening. What what would you expect to be the likely impact of a of a tax imposed on every exchange of cryptocurrency for money or for other cryptocurrencies? Well, I think the first thing we're going to see is people getting skittish about the U.S. market. You're going to have a broad group of people that are participating in this industry suddenly have their role in a very questionable state, and they're going to want to move outside of the U.S. And that's one of my biggest problems with this this estimate is that the Joint Committee on Taxation that put this estimate together reports that they consider human behavior, working out how people are going to react to different laws and how that's going to affect taxation. Well, if 
the legislation is left intact and effectively bans the legal state of mining, then these people are going to leave the country and there isn't going to be money to be taxed if it's not even there in the first place. So the Joint Committee on Taxation uh, put this estimate together. Where does that estimate come from? That is a very good question. And it's one that, unfortunately, the public doesn't get to know. We know that they worked on it behind the scenes and that they took in different IRS numbers to kind of estimate where the provision might affect the industry. But ultimately, the exact model that they use, the exact methods and data that they use is left confidential and kept out of sight from the public. Well, I mean, they're they're not even willing to tell the public how this estimate is calculated or what kinds of taxes would have to be levied on which exchanges uh, in order to generate that number? Unfortunately, yeah, they they do not share any details about what goes into it. You ultimately, whenever somebody submits legislation for review by the committee, they will take it in. They have their teams work on it and they will work behind the scenes with members of Congress, but the public only gets to see uh, a data table that is essentially uh, a layout of 10 numbers saying what they expect each yearly revenue number to be. And it's left at that. So uh, going forward, um, is there is there a time frame in which taxes would begin to be collected on cryptocurrency exchanges? When I say exchanges, I mean the actual exchange of crypto for money or other crypto and not the places where people often buy and sell crypto that the the exchanges. Right. Right. And that's that's a really good distinction because the exchanges already coordinate taxes. There's there's nothing new coming out of that realm. But as far as taxes on the exchange of cryptocurrencies, that'll start taking place in 2024. So there's a little bit of time to kind of sort out what exactly is going on with the Infrastructure Act and figure out how this is going to take shape or how this can be amended. But that time is quickly passing. What do you expect down the road uh, when this was announced as a potential within this infrastructure legislation? A lot of uh, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle jumped out and said, we got to defend this industry from uh, these taxes because we don't we don't really understand what this is yet. And uh, so is it, is it next year? Is it five years from now? When do we expect taxes to begin being collected? And what are, what's the liability for people who operating in good faith or trying to pay their taxes and and find themselves unable to do it. So we still have a little bit of time. We have a couple years before the tax is going to be collected and put on the books. But I'm very hopeful that it will not be at the 11th hour when this issue is fixed. Already, there are a number of U.S. policymakers, members of Congress that have proposed legislation. And the revenue question is a really big part of that proposed legislation because you have, for example, Patrick McHenry's, Representative Patrick McHenry's legislation that came out and it alters how brokers are defined and it removes the requirement that any exchange over $10,000 is reported. But at the very end, 
it has the requirement noted that this does not change the revenue estimate. On the other side of the field, you have Senator Ted Cruz's amendment, which just eliminates the provision altogether. It says we need to start from scratch. This is not the way to do it. And in that sense, Congress loses the estimated $28 billion. So which way you go really depends on how much of a hurdle this $28 billion is going to be over time for Congress. I think you and I may have discussed this before, but of course, uh, China presents for you and I probably a cautionary tale about how to run a government and uh, what impositions to place on people. But for lawmakers, uh, often it presents, oh, look, China's doing this. And that's meant to be a feature rather than a bug. And crypto itself, it does not respect national borders the way that uh, you expect uh, dollars to res respect national borders. And it moves very quickly from one place to another. And it could be uh, almost instantaneous for the bulk of the industry to move somewhere else. That's exactly right. China's crackdown on cryptocurrencies this year or this past year was an unprecedented example of the power this industry has to vote with its feet. We saw over the course of the year China becoming more and more hostile to the industry until ultimately banning it across the board. And while we saw mining across the globe suffer from that for a moment, it only took a few months before the mining companies that were based in China had moved across the world to Russia, Kazakhstan, United States, Canada, Paraguay, and so many other places. And all of a sudden, that power was restored. And so we can see that they are not dependent the same way that we've had traditional industries where they have uh, factories based in a, in a central location. They don't have a, a, a water wheel that is dependent on the river. They can leave at pretty much any moment. And ultimately, I think that's what we're going to see if this language is not improved. Nick Anthony is the manager of the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>